gotta get messy and show the world you growing as an artist and you're free to be yourself you got a dream you need to start it stick together get messy says you're formally invited to a community where you can find people that spark the feel of excitement too many art supplies not enough time no it's tougher so you must find a way to feel some connection you got a lot of people with the same kind a great mind we're here for you a platform so we can hear your views time's yours forget chores i know you border them same rules Today, I chatted with the incredible Barbara Chagram. She is the guest artist for Get Messy's Season of Less. And so we spoke a lot about how she creates, how she puts all of her emotions into her paintings and is able to express the intangible in something tangible. We spoke about her story. She has a beautiful story about how she came to art and how art was there all along. And it, you know, it kept like knocking at her door. And no matter how many times she tried to ignore it, she could not. I think that you'll find that the summary is don't compromise. Don't compromise on your art. Tell the stories of your soul. Tell your life. Tell your life through moments and moments with art and just show up to the page and you know even if you think that it's not your time I mean Barbara was 20 27 she was 37 when she went to art school that is incredible that's an incredible story of resilience and strength and courage and you should see her work I'm going to add them in the show notes of course and I'm going to add all of her links so that you get to see her art it is beautiful and expressive and man if Barbara can can do it you can too and I hope that's what you take from it Barbara is a full-time abstract expressionist painter with the BFA honors from Wimbledon College of Art she draws inspiration from the philosopher Eckhart Tolle who we speak about in this episode. And Mr. Tully believes that life's meaning is to be found in the joy of the present moment. Barbara's paintings are a collection of marks brought together like notes in a piece of music. Each mark stands alone for an individual moment, yet they all work together in a harmonious whole to capture a moment and a feeling in time. And I hope you take these moments from this podcast and I hope you turn them into art because that is what these words are here for. You'll listen to Barbara. She is very wise. You'll listen to my absolute awe of her and I'm absolutely in awe of her work and of the work that she gets other artists to do too. If you're part of Get Messy, you'll know the power of her workshop. Uh, she takes three colors and she creates wild color palettes with them. Uh, she's very good at limiting her supplies and the input into her art and turning it into something so beautiful. I'm very excited for you to listen to this. And so I'm going to stop talking so you can listen to Barbara's words instead. Welcome to the Get Messy podcast. I am going to jump right in, be right up front and tell you that I totally forgot to hit record. 
<laughs> Barbara's <laughs> in and she basically just gave away the secrets to the universe. No. <laughs> and they will forever remain a mystery. <laughs> forever. Oh man. Welcome to the podcast, Barbara. Thank you. I'm really glad you're here. I'm really excited to unpack your knowledge and your crazy wisdom and uh, talk about what being an artist is and being a real artist. Because uh, <laughs> like we were saying before, I view you as a quote unquote real artist. But I know like, what, what, what makes a real artist. <laughs> exactly. Let's talk about it. Um, to start, can you share who you are, why you're an artist? Uh, okay, so I'm Barbara J. Graham. I am an artist because I literally can't be anything else. Uh, uh, you, know, you know, I sort of I went, I went through life making lots of compromises and trying to uh, please other people. Um, and so I was 37 before I made the decision to actually go to art college. And it was um, it was literally a kind of do or die decision. You know, I just thought if I don't go now uh, at the age of 37, then I will get to the end of my life having never tried to be a real artist, a proper artist, and I'm putting that in quotes. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it, you know, I just got to the point where I had to do it, I had to be it. I had to give it my everything. It wasn't enough just to do it as a, an evening course or a weekend course or a hobby on the side. Um, I had to literally dive in with both feet, as it were. Yeah, I love that. I was going to ask you why, for you, why was the decision then to go to art school? I think you already touched on it with, it, with you having to give it all of you. Can we talk more about that? Yeah, so, so, you know, throughout my 20s and 30s, I had a career in television. Uh, you know, when I was a kid, I was always very creative. I, you know, wanted to be on the stage. I wanted to uh, make films. I wanted to, and I also wanted to draw and paint. Um, but I was raised with a very conservative upbringing that said, no, you, you know, you need to think about how much money you're making. So therefore you need to go into accounting or banking or law or something like that. So, um, so in my twenties, the first kind of career that eventually made sense to me then was this, uh, was working in film and television, which sort of felt like a, a, an appropriate compromise between the two. I was being creative, but I had a, uh, you know, a, a viable career, as it were. Although many people in television would say that, you know, television is not a viable career anymore. <laughs> um, Uh, um, but, you know, because I was freelance and working contracts, I was basically able to chunk out my time. And so I would uh, do a chunk of television and then I would do a chunk, uh, do a, an art course. Like I was mm -hmm. doing all the part time courses at St. Martin's, you know, all the evening courses, all the weekend courses, all the holiday courses um, and just, you know, getting as much as I possibly could. And then I'd go back to television and the painting would stop and I'd be like, oh, I just want to go and paint, you know, the, the, the draw of wanting to go and create stuff with my hands and smoosh paint around was just irresistible. And, um, yeah, and so at the age of 37, I'd just come out of a, a long relationship that, you know, 
was meant to end in marriage and children, but didn't. And I just, so I kind of just did a complete review of my life and just thought, now is now is the time to throw everything up in the air and take a chance um, and go and study art full time. And because of my television career, I was able to go, well, I'll just go and do the foundation and, uh, you know, and then I can still work during the Easter holidays and the Christmas holidays. And I'll just I'll just see how I get on with doing the foundation. It's just it's just nine months. And then, of course, the purpose of the foundation is to apply for art college. So while I was there, I was like, well, I'll apply for art college. I'll go through the motions. Um, and if I get in, you know, but I probably won't get any, into anywhere good, you know. I'll, if I get into somewhere good, then I'll, I'll think about it. And I got accepted to Wimbledon, which is part of the London um, School of Art, which incorporates St. Martin's and um, uh, Chelsea. So, you know, but, spe- uh, but specifically does painting. And I was like, okay, so I must be okay. So, you know, so I went to Wimbledon. I thought, I'll just do the first year. I can always back out and (laughs) and, and see how it goes. And, you know, uh, three years later, I found myself finishing my degree and doing my degree show and just, you know, on a path that, you know, was taking me somewhere completely different and television was now. I basically managed to pay for my student fees because I had to pay top whack like £9,000 a year but I managed to pay for it by doing television editing during the summer and the Christmas holidays so I was very lucky to be able to create that situation for myself. I mean you say lucky I just say that's a lot of hard work. Yes (laughs) yeah but you know luck luck is created by hard work isn't it? (laughs) Oh, yeah. yeah. I think there are lots of people out there that work very hard but don't necessarily have the good fortune to be able to engineer a situation like that, you know. So, yeah. not to, you know, not to sort of do, any, do down on anyone that's thinking, well, I'm working hard and I don't find myself in that situation, you know. That's it's very true. Yeah, that's very true. I think I'm hearing from your story is that there was a lot of, it's kind of like it was your destiny and you kept trying to compromise your destiny. So you kept trying to say, okay, we'll just do this. We'll just do like a little bit. And you're like, art was just like, Barbara, I'm here. Like, let's do this. Let's do it. (laughs) I just, I love I, I love the idea that she's just like cont- like constantly knocking on your door and you're like, okay, a little, I'll open a little bit, open a little bit. And then she's just like, yeah. bam. Yeah. Um, well, you know, it's like you steal these motivational quotes about follow your dreams, follow your heart, listen to your soul and all of that kind of thing. You know, art for me was literally yelling in my ear for 20 <laughs> years before I finally stopped and listened to it properly. Yeah. You know, sometimes it takes a while for us to catch up, you know, but it's like, but thank you for sticking with it because here I am at last. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like you're definitely, um, it's just like pouring out of you now in your work and stuff. And it's so like clear that, I don't know, I feel like your work is very fluid and it just, it's so emotive. So you do abstract painting. Is that correct? What mediums do you work with? Literally everything I can lay my hands on, you know, so, um, uh, I would love to get stuck back into my oils, but the problem is, is the, uh, the chemicals that they give off in my studio is in my home and I've got my six year old daughter here. So I don't, 
I don't want to fill my home with toxic fumes. Um, so yeah, so, so other than that, I've got you know because you know if you've watched my tutorial video that I did, I said you know I said in that when I was doing my art degree, I literally had everything, <laughs> all the materials, and I still have all of those materials. I am still now working with the materials that I accumulated while I was doing my art degree. So I've got uh, lots of acrylic paints. I've got, I'm just looking around my studio at the moment. I've got uh, um, inks, watercolors, gouaches. I've got oil pastels. I've got neocolor water pastels. I've got Posca paint markers. I've got felt tips. I've got, you know, uh, yesterday I started working with willow charcoal again for the first time in seven years and I'm just going I'm falling in love with it all over again you know so it's you know I, I live in a sweet shop which is fabulous so um I think I think the, what really unlocked things for me was when I sat you know because I was pregnant when I graduated and so you know my daughter was uh, born uh, three months after I graduated from art college and so suddenly art had to stop again you know, because there was this other thing that I had to concentrate on. And so I didn't really start painting full time again until my daughter started school when she was nearly five years old. So there was this five year break. Um, and uh, yes, and I literally sat down with my materials and I was like, I do not, I do not need to go out and buy any more materials. I clearly have plenty. So my objective now is just to explore what I can create within the confines of being at home on the kitchen table at that point, because I was in a different house, um, with the materials that I have to hand. And what really sort of started to fire something completely new to me was just going, oh, you know, what does this paint do when I squirt it out? What's the texture of it? You know, is it shiny? Is it gloopy? Is it matte? Is it glossy? If I mix it with another colour, what kind of patterns can I create? What kind of effects can I create? And that for me is what sort of just started me on this journey into abstraction. My abstract paintings literally started as colour experiments, colour tests, and, uh, you know, just trying to test out the capacities of, of the materials that I had around me. Uh, so so it's never it's never like where I think, oh, I'd like to create that, but I need to go and buy myself that piece, that medium or that brush before I do it. I'm always looking at what have I got around me and what can I create with it? Hmm. Depend, you know, and that also applies to what mood am I in today and what can I do with that? And that's where the emotive side of it comes from. What am I feeling today? You know, what have I got in my hand? How can those two relate to each other? How can I make pink? It's a rainy Saturday. (laughs) And when you start thinking like that, you just go, oh, okay. Yeah, um, you've got a YouTube video correct that that yeah. talks through your emotive process so i'll link that in the show notes so 
you kind of do it the opposite way that most people do it. Most people look at art and they're like, I want to make art. I need to buy X, Y, Z. And they just like go to Amazon and they buy a whole bunch of things, wait till it shows up. And then it sits like at the back of their cupboard. Do you ever feel yeah. like you want to buy new things or is your approach always All from the a place? Time, of course. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh my goodness. In fact, yesterday I was just thinking if someone gave me a thousand pounds, what would I spend it on? And I just, you know, immediately I just had this list of paint that, you know, I was like, oh, I've spent a thousand pounds really quickly in my head right now, just like that. It was literally five things that I would buy and it would come to a thousand pounds. Oh, it's very, very easy to do. Okay. So, how, what are your tips then for coming at it from a place of curiosity of your? current suppliers then yeah I mean yeah I heard you sort of talk talk about this in another podcast about sort of trying to sort of rein yourself in on your supplies and uh and actually I just I, I think be kind to yourself I think there's nothing wrong with going out and buying all of those supplies that you love if that's if you if you've got the money and you can afford to do it and it's not becoming a an addictive problem that's compromising other parts of your life go and buy the stuff surround yourself with the stuff it's great it feels wonderful to be you know surrounded by all of these tools that you can do it you know so um you know don't be don't be harsh on yourself for going, oh, I spent all this money. It's like, go ahead. If you can do it, fine. Um, but I, you know, in, in the tutorial where I talk about materials, you know, I talk about the time where, yes, in the third year of my degree, I did accumulate a lot of stuff. And I got to the point where I was frozen because I no longer had the excuse not to make incredible art. I think sometimes we can use buying materials as um, as a, a substitute for creating. We kind of think, oh, uh, I want to feel like an artist, but I, <laughs> I can't be bothered to actually create anything. So if I go and buy some stuff, I will still have that feeling of I'm an artist <laughs> without actually making any art. <laughs> Amen. So, amen. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've done it as well. You know, it's, you know, certainly in my TV career time, I would buy all the art magazines, you know, and I would read all the art magazines and I'd feel that that was kind of, you know, my substitute for actually being an artist myself. And I'd build up all these magazines and I'd never read them, you know. So, um, yeah, so it's, um, you you, if you want to be creative, get yourself a twig from the garden and a cup of coffee, black coffee, and see what you can create with that. You know, I think um, I think we can easily sort of look at someone's art that we like and then we go, oh, I want to be able to create like that artist. So what brushes are they using? What paper are they using? What paint are they using? And then you go out and buy all of the materials that you see them using. Um, thinking that that will help you create exactly what you've seen them create. Um, but of course, that's simply never going to be the case uh, because you are not them. You need to create your own stuff. So, um, you know, it's, you, I've sort of lost my train of thought, but um, if you 
if you find yourself sort of saying, I won't be able to create something unless I have that brush and that paper and that paint, then you're kind of making excuses for not making art. Absolutely. So if you really, yeah. So, you know, this is why I'm, you know, talking about definitely, you know, use what you have, experiment what, what, what you have. For me, a lot of creativity got unleashed when I developed my sort of three colors system that, you know, that is part of the tutorials this month. Once I started really enjoying the, stretching the possibilities of what three colors could do. Um, that that sort of fired up a lot of creativity in me and that's why I started really digging down into what was within me. So, yeah, so having tons and tons of... Um, uh, having lots of materials around you isn't necessarily going to inhibit you, but buying more materials as an excuse, as a substitute for being creative is, is dangerous territory. It's going to stop you. Absolutely. I mean, it makes you, it makes you feel really good when you do that, you know, and it's like, it's, it's almost the same like feeling that you get when you make good art, but it's, it's hollow, right? It's like, yeah, if you're yeah. hungry and it's you like, eat chocolate, you know, or like, you know, we, we, we go and buy ourselves a really fancy, expensive outfit when, when we know that we've got no, no occasion to wear it, you know, <laughs> it's like you, you look amazing in it in the shop and you just think, oh, I'm going to go to some wonderful events wearing this incredible outfit. But you never go to those kind of events anyway. It's just it's all in your head. Yeah. So, yeah, we all do it. Yeah, so it's like art is the event. So let's not get all the stuff all around it and just go to the event. Yeah. Tell me more about your art break. I'm very interested in it because I had a very tough time coming back to art after I had my son. Um, yeah. And you were talking about five years before you went back to art. What did art yeah. look like for you in those five years? Uh, I'm a, you know, I'm a single mom and, uh, you know, it's, you know, being a parent is hard. Uh, being a single parent is really hard. And, um, I was also trying to sort of think practically and had a, you know, a business selling jewelry, uh, for a while to bring in some extra money. And, uh, that was, you know, all encompassing that just filled my time. So, um, when I made this, you know, when, when I knew my daughter was about to start school, I literally sat down with a, with a life coach and said, I'm miserable unless I'm making art, but I need to make money. And, um, and, you know, and I was looking at this sort of looming date of September, do I carry on with my jewelry business or do I take another risk? And, um, and, she helped me make the decision that uh, the risk was going to be worth it. So I gave up my jewellery business and um, sat, sat down and put all of that energy that I've been putting into trying to make money to survive into just going, let's, let's do this, let's make art and hope that the money somehow sorts itself out. <laughs> That's an amazing story of courage and taking the leap. I yeah, like 
all of your story is just taking the leap and you know going to art school so late in life that that's difficult it's like a lot more difficult it's difficult for a 20 year old you know yeah. let alone wow I'm very impressed by you well you know what it's like life's short you've got to you've got to take those leaps uh you know my decision to go to art college one of one of the things I was you know I was in this beautiful house in Richmond and the rent was like two thousand pounds a month or something and and I was just like why you know I was like okay so I need to work in order to pay the rent uh so therefore I can't go to art college and I was like well why do I need to pay so much rent and I was like well I've got all this stuff where do I keep all my stuff this goes back to you know collecting stuff and I was like and I had this kind of epiphany it's like well if I don't have all this stuff I won't need to pay all the rent so then I can rent somewhere much smaller and cheaper, like a room in someone's house, then I'll be able to afford to go to art college. And I literally did a yard sale where I invited all my neighbours to come and buy everything in my house. And what I didn't manage to sell to them, I then chucked in the back of a van and took it to a car boot sale and was mobbed. And by the end of the car boot sale, I was literally giving everything away for free because I was like, I don't want to have to take it to the charity shop. And it was amazing what people didn't take, even though it was free. (laughs) Um, So yes, I literally had downsized. I'd found a room where I was going to move to and I had to measure the wardrobe. It was probably about 50 centimeters wide and I measured it. And I was like, right, I can only have the amount of clothes that I can fit into that space. And so everything else had to go. So I really had to pare my life back in order to create this opportunity for myself, in order to create the space in my life to be able to go and do what I really wanted to do. Um, and so, yeah, so in some regards, that discipline has stayed with me. I, I, uh, I'm no longer sentimental about anything, you know, because I know that actually having too much stuff can stand in the way of you moving forward in the direction that you want to be moving to. So while I, I don't think there's anything wrong with having lots of stuff, it becomes a problem when it stands in the way of you moving in the direction that you are meant to be moving. That is it. That's quotable. That's really wise. Um, <laughs> I love <laughs> I love that I find so many commonalities between your story and your art. I feel like you're very resourceful and you're very good at giving yourself, giving yourself restraints, kind of like looking, this is everything I've got. If I move the pieces, um, this is what I could have. And what I could have yeah. is like my desires, my heart. And so you move that way, which is also courage. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's talk more about your art. So I'm definitely going to leave all the links in the show notes, but maybe you can describe the type of art that you make. Uh, it's a collection of moments. So, um, uh, so yeah, so while I wasn't making art, I was spending a lot of time, you know, so in that period between graduating and from university and my daughter starting school, it was incredibly difficult. And, um, uh, so I was doing lots of mindfulness practice, meditation and listening to Eckhart Tolle and, uh, 
I don't know if you're familiar with Eckhart Tolle, who wrote this book, The Power of Now, and that really resonated with me because there's, there's this, the, the notion is, is that if you, you only have this precise minute right now that you're listening to this podcast, this is reality. It can literally be boiled down into a fraction of a second, followed by another fraction of a second, followed by another fraction of a second. And your happiness is determined by, your happiness in life is determined by your ability to find happiness in this fraction of a second moment that, you know, you literally can carry in the palm of your hand. And, uh, that really resonated with me. And so when I started painting and exploring, I realized that mark making is a collection of those little moments in time. And you can make an angry mark, you can make a peaceful mark, you can make a luscious mark, you can make a sexy mark. Yeah. And, and a painting is basically a collection of all of these fractions of time preserved together in a compositional whole and it's it's a moment in time it's a collection of moments in time now those paintings can be done in a short space of time themselves it can be done in 10 minutes five minutes or they can take weeks or even months to kind of evolve over time um but but that's that's what it is that I like to drill down to. I like the idea of um, paintings being able to be a diary of a feeling or a collection of feelings. And it's not necessarily that, you know, this is a sad painting and this is a happy painting, you know, but it's more complicated than that because we can go from being sad one moment to happy the next, depending on what the circumstances are. And that can all be collected in the same work. And so, yes, in many ways, the paintings are kind of self-portraits of uh, a flux of emotions that are experienced through the duration of time whilst making that work all brought together in something that is compositionally satisfying. So it's not just all randomly splayed together. There is then a moment where I will look at the work and go, does it feel balanced? Does it feel harmonious? Does it work together? Does it feel cohesive? How do you then bring all of those emotions into something that feels unified? Um, and that's when I know that I'm sort of at my end result. That's incredible. I feel like that was, that was a very difficult question because your art is abstract, but that was that was beautiful to listen to, and that was it's very insightful. Wow! Tell oh, me more about you. your <laughs> tell me more about your editing brain. So you were speaking about you know creating um, with your emotions and with moments and bringing everything into the moment um, and then afterwards looking at it and seeing does it flow, does it look good com uh, compositionally. Mm. So how are you able to do the latter without being a dick to yourself, you know, and, and saying, well, why did you do that? That was stupid. Is it a conscious effort? Um, creating the harmony is definitely a conscious effort. What's interesting is you phrasing it in a negative way. Mm. Um, 
Like, I would never look at anything I've made and go, God, you're so rubbish. Why did you make a mark like that? Um, and equally, I would never look at anybody else's work and say that. This, um, there are no, there are no mistakes. So I'm just trying to, uh, yeah, because I mean, you really a- threw me with this <laughs> sort of, how do you not be a dick to yourself? It's like, uh, my question is, why would you be, how can you be a dick to yourself? Are you, uh, you talking are about, are you talking about some sort of self-flagellation where you just go, oh, I'm not an artist because I've made such awful work? Are you, thinking, are you saying that? that you have that kind of thought process or I think you are just obviously way elevated because a lot of a lot of people struggle with the inner critic and that is and the idea of um of objectively asking yourself questions about your art like is this compositionally pleasing is this you know does this follow design principles that seems like to cross a line where you can easily dismiss yourself because of the inner critic Uh Okay, I think I think I'm with you now. Okay, so yeah, there I think there is a misconception that there is some sort of universally held standard of what makes good art and what is not good art. That is a myth. Um and some people and I see I see some sort of you know, I'm a member of lots of artistic online forums and some people will um some people think of it as, is this, will this sell? You know, if someone's willing to buy my art, if I can sell my art, then that's the kind of stamp of approval of I am now therefore an artist and I'm a good artist because someone else likes it enough to buy it. The truth is people will buy awful art and brilliant art. If it speaks to them, you know, it, it, it the standard is irrelevant. And so, So uh, what I say is there is no, there is, get rid of this idea that there is some universal standard of something that's good or bad. I do see people that, you know, in certain online forums I'm part of, they'll post the painting that they've just made and their question will be, is it any good? And it's just like, well, do you think it's any good? Because you're the only person that it should matter to. (laughs) What I love about, the Get Messy community, it, and I, I think it's completely unique to the Get Messy community, and I absolutely celebrate it, is, is that first and foremost, your artists, the artists in the Get Messy community, are making art for themselves. Because, they're making, because you're making it in an art journal, it's deeply personal, and it's for your pleasure, your enjoyment, and your satisfaction. Mm. And... You know, if, of course, it's great to take a photo of it and post it in the forums and on the website and get other people to say, wow, it looks amazing. But first and foremost, you make it for yourself. And that's the most important person that you should be making your work for. You should not be, you, it's not about trying to make it for some abstract standard of, you know, what makes good work and what makes bad work. That is a myth. Forget about it. It doesn't exist. In fact, if you want to, if it's something that really bothers you, I challenge you to spend a week making really awful, awful, ugly art. You know, make terrible art. Make it, you know, uh, 
make make work that's worse than a five-year-old make work that you hate you know get all of that out of your system and you'll suddenly discover that there's like oh I was making something that I thought I would hate but actually that's I really you'll really surprise yourself about something that you know that you really like it's it's just about, art is about experimentation and exploration and if you're always going to be saying oh but you know is it any good will my critics like it is it good enough to buy you're never going to make stuff that's really true to your soul so i yeah i, I make loads of really really awful 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 stuff and it goes in a little pile in the corner and, you know, if I'm feeling sort of I need some inspiration, it's the awful stuff that comes out and I might start working on it again or cutting it up. But I will never say making awful art means that I'm somehow therefore unworthy of making art. And if I'm editing, you know, my paintings and I've made lots of marks on it, I'm never, you know, I'm going to look at a mark and go, yeah, that doesn't work with the other marks or it's not very satisfying or it's sort of a bit tentative so I'll just be covering it up and replacing it with a mark that I think is better or better better suited well sometimes in the composition that mark that felt a bit meh actually is crucial to the overall composition and it's the thing that makes the whole thing work but you never know until you're looking in the overall composition and honestly with you know with your get messians who are sort of making work from their soul if they're going to make work and then they're going to look at it and criticise themselves, as you say, it's, it's, you're being a dick to yourself. And why would you want to do that? Don't be a dick to yourself. Be nice to yourself because it's you. <laughs> yeah. There are plenty of other people out there that can be a dick to you, but you don't need to be a dick to yourself. Oh, I love that. You gave this so much in there to unpack, but I love that you've given both... Um, like if anyone is struggling with this they really just need to go back a few minutes and just play that on repeat and play your words on repeat <laughs> and repeat until they get it through their head um but you've also given really practical advice which is very helpful and i think you know spending time actively purposefully trying to make bad art is a brilliant idea um and i've i've done it in the past because you do you <laughs> your i don't know your subconscious or whatever your subconscious artist is very sneaky because she'll put in some beautiful things when you're purposely trying not to make beautiful things absolutely absolutely that's you know my, you know, like I said before, my abstract paintings came out of simply me picking up a tube of paint and experimenting with it. I wasn't even trying to make art. Mm. You know, I was just trying to see what I could do with the materials. And then out of that evolved a, an art practice that's completely different from what I did at university. At uni you know, believe me, I've gone through this whole trajectory. At university, I, at art college, I was obsessed with being able to paint the perfect ear the perfect hand the perfect face and doing figurative work um much to the detriment of me being able to explore the material itself but i had to get it out of my system you know i you know i i felt i couldn't call myself an artist until i could paint the perfect portrait and so you know i did that i got that out of my system and that's away and done but it's just yes now it's 
yeah, once I started, once I dropped that side of myself and my art tutors were constantly saying, you know, been the whole obsession with trying to make perfect observational art. It's been done. It's dull. It's boring. It's not you, you know, and sure enough, once I sat down and started really experimenting and not trying to make art at all, that's when I started on this trajectory of making abstract art that I feel is worthy of my soul. Oof, worthy of your soul. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, it definitely comes down to, and, and I think that's that's why it works with making bad art, is you release those expectations of yourself. You just, you just accept that you don't have control. You can't, there's not like, it's not like step one, step two, that you follow and then you're an artist or, and then you're making beautiful art. It's, you kind of have to give up a lot and you, there's something and I think this is something that I struggle with a lot so that's why maybe I'm honing in on it but yeah. I struggle to yeah. let go of control um and I was talking to Connie Solera about about that and she was saying but then you can also lean into that so like you were saying with you wanting to do all the perfect things you just you did it and then you're like okay and then you moved past it and you're like okay that yeah. isn't my path but now I've done it and it's fine so it's yeah. that it's that whole idea instead of hiding your weaknesses and instead of ignoring and I say weaknesses in quote instead of ignoring them you just amplify your strengths and I mean I think one of your big strengths is your stick to itness like you you just you go for it and no matter how many times um, things are telling you don't do that don't do that or even if you you yourself are pushing it to the side you still get there in the end um, yeah man make bad art <laughs> yeah make bad art or equally it's like if you feel that you you know you need to be able to draw the perfect ear then yeah then lean into that and draw the perfect ear and you know do it and then draw a hundred more ears and draw a thousand more ears and then when you're bored of drawing ears draw one more ear <laughs> and that will suddenly be representative of something that's coming from within you is you know is more representative of what is the kind of art that you are supposed to create mm. Mm. so it's kind of like doing what you think you're supposed to and getting that out of your system so that you can do what you're absolutely. really supposed to mm. absolutely that's it so if there's someone who's like you, maybe they are exactly 37 and they want to go to art school, what advice would you give them? What advice would you give yourself looking back at where you were at mid-30s? Art school for me at the age of 37 looked like uh, an insurmountable challenge. Um, but I broke it down into manageable chunks and this applies to any life goal you want to buy a house you want to you know uh run a marathon you know it all of that you don't you don't run a marathon by you know 
getting up one morning, you know, eating a burger, strapping on your number and then going, right, uh, 24 miles, here we go. Uh, You break it down into chunks and you go, right, well, tomorrow I'm going to, you know, walk 100 metres and the next day it's going to be 200 metres. And, you know, the same with anything. It's And without college, it was that. I broke it down into chunks. I was like, okay, I'll do the foundation. And that's, you know, three terms and in between I'll be doing... I'll be working to earn money to, you know, help me pay for, you know, living and, you know, paying for the school fees Um, and art college. I didn't go to art college, the three year full time degree thinking I was going to do three years full time. I just thought I'm going to do the first year and see how I go. And literally and then you know it was like by the second year I'm still going and I thought oh okay well I'll I'll do the second year and see how I go and so you know by the time I sort of did the third year I literally I was just like I can't believe I'm here I can't believe I've actually made it but I never I never set out thinking that's it that's the next four years stretching ahead of me doing art college and making very little money and oh my goodness how am I going to survive I, I literally just did it step step. I think the most difficult thing with all things is just the getting started and like starting that momentum because once you've got the momentum you can keep going and it's a bit easier to keep going than it's yeah then to start. Yeah yeah but you'll you'll only start if the first step is doable in your head. Hmm like if you're if you're listening to this and you're going oh I'm 37 and I'd like to go to art college but I've got three kids to look after and I work full time and la 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 and you can think of all the reasons why art college is impossible then you know break it down into a smaller chunk it's like well uh, can I do the application process can I at least go to the open days and go and walk around the art colleges and see what they like and meet people and talk to other people and find out how they did it and you know just do the yeah do the small chunks without dismissing the whole idea because you you never know you might find a way through it you know it's like you know if if I hadn't gone when I'd gone and and all the other parts of my life had continued as as it was you know I, I was pregnant by the time I graduated you know going to art college now seems would be even more impossible so in fact the timing in terms of my life trajectory was perfect I literally went at the last possible minute I think for my life otherwise I would have been waiting another 20 years and you know in fact now I want to do an MA and I'm trying to work out how am I going to do an MA and how am I going to fit that into my life um so yes it's like if yeah if the thought is there don't don't dismiss it out of hand just take it one little step at a time and see Mm. where it takes you Mm. and I think that the thing is um if you if you just see all your problems that you've got and all the reasons why you can't I think people could take advice from you and just like look at them objectively like get them in their little blocks and say okay I've got 12 children at home what time do I have to fit art in so you know instead of trying to model your life or make your life revolve around art just see how art can fit into your current life or how you can shuffle things sell things at the boot sale yeah yeah and it might be something radical like you know 
downsizing your home and getting rid of half your stuff. Or it might be something completely different. I don't know. But yeah, you'll be surprised by what you can make possible. Yeah, I think... You know, hindsight is twenty twenty. So I like the fact that you look back now and you're like, oh, it was actually the right time. Whereas back then you're like, how is this possible? How am I going to do this? Um, and so many of our moments in life are like that where it's just you, you take imperfect action and you just get started and you realize it was actually perfect all along. Yeah, just get started. <laughs> because you know what, even if you uh, – What's that? You know, even if you don't manage to achieve go to art college or whatever it is, you'll you'll achieve something. You know, it's like if you want to lose weight and you set out to lose ten pounds, but you lose five, you've still succeeded in doing something. You know, that's my favorite thing is to say more than zero is enough. You know, don't instead yeah. of beating yourself up like if you start the hundred day project and you only do two days, that's two days. Like that's more than zero. Yes. That's great. Oh, I'm so guilty of that. I've done the hundred day project two years now. The first time I lasted thirty days. The second time I didn't even last twenty. But you know what? I enjoyed the process, and that's fine. I love hearing about 100 day failures. Like it's my favorite because I, I mean, I like, I make art every day, but I cannot do a hundred days. I don't, I've just, I've tried like four years. Not for me. I'll try again next year. Yeah. And it's just, (laughs) I, I enjoy it because it makes me think of something that I haven't tried yeah, because the whole point of the 100-day project is going, right, what are, what are you not doing at the moment that you could be doing or would like to be doing? And so you just, it, you know, so your brain is thinking about that and you come up with something and you start doing it and, you know, you investigate it for a bit and then, you know, you either get bored of it or life gets in the way or something else. But, it, you know, but you've still created... 15 days of something or 30 days of something. I mean, you know, you and I are talking because of my 100-day project last year. Hmm. You know, I started those, um, you know, I I, I started in a sketchbook. But prior to the 100-day project last year, I didn't work in a sketchbook. You know, and so, you know, so that that's kind of my art journal. And I was making, you know, time lapse videos of me, you know, doing it. And so those started uploading onto YouTube. You know, if I hadn't started that little project, even though ostensibly it was a failure because I only got to 30 days, you and I wouldn't be talking now. Oh, yeah. Good thing. So look happen. where that got us. well I'm really glad that we met and I'm really glad that I got to talk to you today and very glad (laughs) that I got you to share on Get Messy because man your workshop was incredible and the art that Get Messy is making from it oh such a gift such a gift to be able to take your emotions and turn it into something outside of you and into art so thank you. Thank you. And I'm learning so much from seeing the work that the Get Messians make because mm. it's just so fascinating to me to sort of have this kind of very narrow principle and see how it gets 
expanded upon and explored and text added and all these other patterns and materials being used. It's such a revelation to me. So, you know, so thank you for the opportunity and thank you to all the Get Messins who have taken part and, you know, and uploaded all their work and tagged me on Instagram so that I can see it because uh, I love seeing each and every one of them. It's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, Get Messins are great. <laughs> They're great. Thank you, Barbara. Um, thank you for sharing your wisdom. Um, I'm just so happy that I got to chat to you. Oh, thank you. It's lovely chatting to you too.